Welcome to the Amnesty International podcast. It's been the season for elections. Cote d'Ivoire, Myanmar, Egypt, Haiti, Azerbaijan, the list goes on. But in many countries, the election process can also prompt some of the worst abuses. Demonstrating, criticising the ruling party or even distributing leaflets can prompt authorities into heavy-handed action or even warrant time behind bars. Today was a peaceful demonstration, but as usual, their violence, their violence was used again against us. We take a look at the pressures opposition groups in Egypt faced in the run-up to the recent elections. Then, staying in the election vein, we have an interview with Ong San Suu Kyi, finally freed after elections concluded in Myanmar. At the moment, of course, I've only been free for, for about 10 days. What I've seen certainly is that there are a great many more Jews involved in our democratic process than there used to be. There is a lot of enthusiasm from the, on the part of young people. And this month, you can get involved in our annual writing marathon to understand the impact a letter can have. Our last feature involves the meeting of two men, one a dedicated Amnesty International letter writer, and the other the man who received his letters whilst held in a Russian jail for 10 years. But first, we have Amnesty International in the news. Amnesty International published the report Violent Attacks Against Roma in Hungary, which pointed to shortcomings in the Hungarian justice system with regard to racially motivated crimes which impact on individual victims, communities and society. The Chinese authorities must release a woman online activist, Cheng Jianping, who was sentenced to one year of re-education through labour, having retweeted a satirical suggestion on October the 17th that the Japanese pavilion at the Shanghai Expo be attacked. Cheng disappeared ten days later on what was to be her wedding day. Her whereabouts unknown until weeks later when it emerged that she had been detained and sentenced by local police. Amnesty International and Mexican actor and producer Gal Garcia Bernal launched a series of films depicting the flight of irregular migrants in Mexico. The four films, called The Invisibles, recorded the journey of hundreds of migrants from the border between Guatemala and Mexico on their way to the United States. The premiere of The Invisibles coincided with the start of this year's Global Forum on Migration and Development, taking place in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. In his memoirs, former President Bush admits to having authorised the use of torture. Amnesty International urged a criminal investigation into the role of the former president and other officials. On the run-up to the recent parliamentary elections in Egypt, authorities cracked down on opposition groups brave enough to stand up to the government. Malcolm Smart, Amnesty International Middle East and North Africa director, spoke to us before the elections. Well, I think the outside world looks at the election and wonders from the outset with the state of emergency in force, is this a level playing field? The pattern has been one of increasing clampdown on opposition voices. Certainly the Muslim Brotherhood and their supporters are, uh, there have been waves of arrests of some of those, but also of other opposition movements uh, that have uh, sprung up and are, and are calling for change for political reform in, in Egypt. They too have been targeted. The state of emergency, in place since 1981, gives the authorities extraordinary powers 
to ban demonstrations, to stop and search people, detain them and to try them before special courts. And it has been used repeatedly to suppress and repress opposition voices. Opposition groups outside the parliament repeatedly chant the word illegitimate. Although there are few who dare challenge emergency powers in Egypt, the slogans being chanted here are very much in tune with the public's mood. Practically everybody in the political scene was here. A few, a few organizations were not represented, but generally everybody was around. This is our street and it's not theirs. And that's why they're using every everything they have in their hands to stop us. Egypt's emergency law was enforced with catastrophic consequences during the 2005 elections when 11 people were left dead and many voters were prevented by the authorities from casting their votes. This year, violence again erupted with at least eight people reported dead and scores more wounded across the country. Amnesty International urges the Egyptian authorities to fully investigate all the deaths, violence and other human rights abuses. I think this is the opportunity for the Egyptian authorities to show that they uphold the rights to freedom of expression and association and assembly and they do so without discrimination. We have no rights here. There is no law. There is no law. It's only the power law. That feature was made possible with the help of Lily Paquette, who conducted all the interviews in Egypt. Next, an Amnesty International interview with Aung San Suu Kyi, in which the freed leader asks Amnesty International and the Asian Youth Network to continue to campaign for the release of political prisoners. We have a few questions here. Can we ask you? Okay. This is one from Amnesty International youth activist. His name is Faisal Isis. He's asking you, could you kindly advise us on how youth can continue working on Berber and who should our action be targeted to? At the moment, what we would like our, our friends abroad, our young friends abroad to do, is to try to do everything we can to bring about the release of the remaining 2,200 political prisoners in Burma. Some of them are young people like themselves. Some are not out of their 20s yet. And yet they have been given long, long prison sentences. So the first thing that we would like is for the youth to increase awareness of the situation of political prisoners in Burma. Thank do you, you think that we would be happy to do that? Yes, we would definitely be happy to do that. The second question, madam, is from AI Australia. Her name is Lani. She's asking you, how can we help? And could you, how can we help to further the democracy and the human rights for people of Burma? I think, first of all, people all over the world need to know exactly how much human rights violations are going on in Burma. I think some don't quite know. Yesterday I was speaking to somebody from India and uh, she was surprised because I said that in order to link up to the internet I have to make an application and this is not always granted. So we have very little freedom of information and freedom of communication compared to other countries in this region. So if the, our youth in other countries could use their opportunities to increase awareness of the situation in Burma for us because they have more access to 
IT technology and they have, they have, they have more access to freedom of information than we have. That would help us a great deal. In, in other words, if they would do the work that we are prevented from doing ourselves. All right, Madam. The last question would be from AI New Zealand. Her, her, her name is Lena. Her question to you is, what inspired you to continue with your course for all these years, despite all the obstacles in the way? Well, I suppose this is really the, the lot of our people. When I look at what people are having to go through in this country, then I think that it's everybody's duty to do everything they can to change the situation. And I must also uh, add that I have very, very good colleagues. This, they've really been through so much, and yet they don't stop trying. So with colleagues like that, how can I even think of stopping trying? Yeah. Madam, do you have one final question? Is that all right? One more? Um, this, this is from Amnesty International Philippines. His name is Jonathan Cullin. His question is, how did the situation in Burma since your release from the house arrest? Well, at the moment, of course, I've only been free for, for about 10 days. What I've seen certainly is that there are a great many more youth involved in our democratic process than there used to be. There is a lot of enthusiasm from the, on the part of young people which I uh, did not see seven years ago. So that's very, very encouraging for us, and I would very much like the young people of Burma to be able to communicate with young people abroad so that they can find new ways of, uh, of helping to, forward, to helping to bring out struggle to a victorious end. And, and this is a question from uh, from me and uh, my colleague Jenny Yong, Jenny Leong in Australia. But, Madam, because we do a lot of campaign for Amnesty International, but which regional government do you see as being the most important for the young people from this region to lobby in order to put political pressure on the Burmese authorities to meet basic human rights standard? Which target? I think we. I, I think we need all the other countries to rally around, to work in coordination, as well as, of course, India and China. I need hardly add that. But if we're talking about ASEAN countries, we need all of them to work in coordination. Uh, Thailand is important because it's a neighbor, and uh, Singapore is important because it's an economic power. Malaysia is important because, in some ways, we should have progress along the same lines. And Indonesia is important because Indonesia used to be a military dictatorship, yeah. and then the Philippines are important because it's a, it's a democratic government with a, with a president at present who's very, very sympathetic to us. So each other country is important in its own way. And what I would like to do is, what I would like to see is for the use of those countries to be united in, in an effort to help us in Burma. Madam, thank you so much from Amnesty International Malaysia and Amnesty International Australia and all the youth um, network in the region and all the youth and who are really working hard for the release of um, Burma political prisoners and hoping uh, that you know we will see a better future very, very soon. Thank you very much, Madam. Well, thank you. What I would like to see is a group of Aldean youth coming to visit us here. We will do. We could possibly arrange it. We will do it. Very good. Okay, everybody want to say hi to her? Hi! Thank you, madam. Thank you.
Earlier this year, Igor Sutyagin was freed after spending 10 years in a Russian prison. Bernard Bergen is a passionate member of Amnesty International from Toulouse in France and writes letters to people at risk across the world. Bernard had written to Igor while he was in prison, and this next feature captures the moment the two men met for the first time. You try to keep away from them. And when they suddenly appear at your flat, it's definitely somehow frightening. I was invited for a conversation in the FSB, Russian Security Service, office in my city. And it was 10 years, 8 months, several days long conversation. Because I never came back. It's an honor for, for me to, to meet uh, such a person. I, um, I think I will be impressed by his courage because it's a guy who spent a lot of years in, in jail. So um, I think we don't have um, many, many occasions to see that kind of man in life. There is no such thing as good morning. Each morning in prison is very bad thing. It's the probably worst time in the day. It's very important to, to really live, not to survive. As soon as you try to survive in the prison, you, you have lost. I try to write him every month or two months. <laughs> I hope he, he liked my, my postcards. As far as I have the connection with the freedom, these pictures from Amnesty members got me outside of the prison. In my imagination, but I did leave several minutes outside of the prison. In Italian city, you know, on the French coast, on, you know, some, I don't know, some nice garden somewhere in Japan. Bernard, good afternoon. Good, good afternoon. afternoon. Nice good to afternoon. meet you, Igor. Yeah, it's very good to see you. Yeah, very good to, to me. To, it's a good pleasure yeah, uh, to see you. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's such a long time. Uh, we, um, we, I think to you and um, to your, your problems in Russia. Yeah, uh, it's very good to meet, meet you personally <laughs> because now uh, I finally have the possibility to say my uh, thanks really personally. <laughs> and I, I, have, I have brought your, your letter, mm -hmm. as a matter of fact. And it was an interesting story about that. You know, they have these uh, detectives inside uh -huh. of the colony. And he came to me and said, look, it's very poor, very bad soap here. You need to have here French soap. How can I have uh -huh. that? Whom do you have in Toulouse? I don't know. <laughs> Well, you lie me because you definitely have somebody because you have received the letter from Toulouse and you need to write them and order from them good French soap. But uh, does it really work to, to write letters, including if you don't receive uh, them? Yeah, because the officials, they, they do know about uh, these letters. They do know that this person is somehow untouchable. Uh -huh. And I really want to, to ask you and all Amnesty members via you to continue that, that activity because that would help others. It's, it's very, very important. I think it's very important.
Yeah, so thank you. Thank you very and much. And perhaps if you could go to Toulouse, I will be happy to receive you at yeah. home uh, in Toulouse. I think it will be possible. I hope. So thank you. Let me. Come, you can. Thank you very much. <laughs>